Hello, welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. lot of uh, interactions with Julia Child back then. And she was amazing. And I would run into her conferences. I was once on a panel with her. I was at a conference once and was invited to have lunch at her house and with a famous chef, you know, making the lunch. And I was in her beautiful, big rambling home in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and um, sitting next to like the CEO of Hershey's, you know, like all these mucky mucks, you know, were there. So Julia Child, somebody that I had the pleasure of meeting. And then, you know, when I was at CNN, just like met so many chefs and really cool dietitians covering food and nutrition for the network five days a week. So just meeting all these people always inspires me. Hello, Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer. Excited to bring you another episode. And this is a special one because the person I'm interviewing today has been on my vision board for this year as someone who has inspired me to even be doing this podcast here today. So I'll definitely share more about that as I introduce Liz Weiss registered dietitian and nutritionist to our show today. The proverb we'll be opening up with is an African proverb that goes, one who eats alone cannot discuss the taste of the food with others. One who eats alone cannot discuss the taste of the food with others. And it speaks to me of the communal nature of sharing meals and sharing food with others, that a meal shared is a meal, you know, twice and thrice enjoyed. And when it comes to talking about food, Liz Weiss has been a pioneer in the media realm around food and nutrition, especially as it relates to feeding families well. Back when I was first starting my career about, you know, a a decade ago, and I was a new mom, I had a 45-minute commute and podcasts were just coming into, into being and mom podcasters were few and far between, but I was able to search and find, um, Meal Makeover Moms, uh, Cooking with the Moms, where Liz Weiss and her co-host Janice would just talk as if we were all sitting around their kitchen table sharing how to feed families. And I was just trying to figure it out, how to raise healthy eaters. And their advice, which was shared in such an entertaining way, 
was the perfect way to decompress on my way home from work. And I would get the practicalist of tips for what to cook for dinner that night, all the way to the nutrition benefits of the different things that we are feeding our families. And to this day, I still, you know, great carrots into just about everything because of some of the tips that I've heard from them. Liz Weiss is the voice and a pioneering voice behind the food and nutrition blog and podcast, Liz's Healthy Table, and has written several award-winning cookbooks, including Color, Cook, Eat, which is a coloring book that my girls have loved to enjoy, No Wine with Dinner, wine spelled W-H-I-N-E, and The Mom's Guide to Meal Makeovers, which was my go-to Bible back in the day when I was just starting to figure all of this out. Liz is a sought-after speaker, spokesperson, TV personality, and cooking instructor. Over her decades of being a food and nutrition producer and a journalist, she has won the Media Excellence Award from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and she has been a forefront you know, leader in producing shows for nationally syndicated channels such as CNN and PBS. She's a contributor to Today's Dietitian magazine and blog and a regular guest on Boston's NBC hit show, The Hub Today. In the world of podcasting, her first show, Cooking with the Moms, was launched in 2008 and ran for nearly 10 years with 300 episodes. And I pretty much listened to them all. <laughs> Liz's Healthy Table was launched in 2017 and is aimed at helping busy families eat a healthy, sustainable, and flavor-filled diet. I am so excited and privileged to have Liz Weiss with us today. Hello and welcome. Hello. Hi, you, you, can, you can be my, uh, my PR person. That was, I, I just, I love that, that we go way back. And when you reached out to me now, like two months ago, I was like so blown away. I'm like so excited to be on the show with you. That was really great to hear the backstory. Yes, yes. And it's, you know, one of those things where, you know, you never know how something like listening to a podcast is going to leave an impression. And it really planted a seed for me in terms of one day being able to have that, that kind of intimate conversation with moms around their kitchen tables, right? As they're busy cooking for their kids or working or commuting, right? And have that, that voice into encouraging and being there for them. So I really, really appreciate how you've kind of paved the way for now. There's like so many mom podcasters, but you know, yours still stands out as one of the very, very best. So thank you so much. You bet. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of mom podcasters and nutrition podcasters and health gurus podcasting. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my gosh, I, I, it just amazes me how like technology is constantly changing and evolving and we're trying to keep up. And oh my gosh, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to, to juggle and think about, but it's just really, it is fun to listen to podcasts and then connect with people. And then of course you and I have now met virtually because right. uh, now we all know how to do Zoom. <laughs> and so, so it's been good. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. And, you know, we'll definitely talk practical tips and, and strategies, you know, as we go. And I'd love to get us started by letting you tell us a little bit about, you know, how your life is these days, you know, now that we're kind of in this, this pandemic and post-pandemic world. <laughs> yeah, wow, it's just been such a crazy year and I am I am a people person and I love to travel. So I had a lot planned for 2020 because that was my big birthday year 
I'm a little older than you, Akua. Uh, um, yeah, it was like, guess it. Mm, yeah, six turn. <laughs> I hate to even say it. I really have a hard time saying it. And so I was going to go all over the place. And so then, you know, the pandemic hits and it was so isolating, right? For so many people. You know, the silver lining for me was that initially my son, Simon, who's a junior at University of Vermont, he came home. So he was like living with us from March till he went back to school. I'm so glad he was able to go back in September. So I was able to get back into doing regular family meals. And I love that because I missed having kids around the table. And and then Josh, he lives in New York City. So of course, we were very worried about him initially, but he made it through knock on wood. I got to find wood. I've right, never right. got COVID or anything. <laughs> right, and he's getting right. his second vaccine today, actually, which is really great. So mm. it was very like isolating. And, and I felt like after a year of it, I almost got used to it in a weird kind of a way, although yeah. not used to it enough that I'm not excited to kind of start to transition back to some sense of a new normal, because yeah. I think we're all just like craving, you know, being around other people rather than just like yeah. in our small little groups. So in, it's in been, bubble. it's been a challenge. I have cooked a lot. I have cooked yes. so much. I've done virtual <laughs> cooking classes. I've done master classes. I've just like cooked constantly and yeah. um, explored some really great new recipes and flavors and world cuisines. And so that was, for me, was a, a fun thing to do this year. So I couldn't travel, but I traveled through recipes. That That's was right. nice. That's right. And it's, you know, these different opportunities that come to us when we least expect it and don't plan for it, that can sometimes be, you know, so meaningful and memorable. Yeah. So, you know, you have been at this for for, several decades now, since the 80s. I'm so curious to hear about how you you found your passion and found your voice in nutrition and cooking. Yeah, you know, I got, well, I probably partly because my mother was a home economics teacher by training. And then she she was a school teacher. She taught home ec because back in the day they had home ec. You learned how to sew, you learned how to cook. And I wish they still had it, right? And of course, nobody knows how to fold a fitted sheet, which is a pet peeve of mine, but I'm not sure they taught <laughs> that in school back then, but everybody needs to learn that skill. And so I grew up hanging out with her in the kitchen cooking which is why I always encourage people to cook with their kids because it definitely, I became a foodie before the term foodie was even coined. And then I got really interested in nutrition as a high schooler because my parents had these friends who lived in California and they became health food nuts and they ate all sorts of weird stuff because back then, this is in the (laughs) seventies, you know, when you were a health food nut, I mean, who the heck knows what you were eating, but so they would come and visit with us and they would tell us all about these crazy diets and everything which probably were just like very plant-based when I think back. But anyway, so I got very interested and I said, I'm going to go to college and study nutrition. And that's sort of how it all started. And then after college, I got my master's in nutrition communications. I went to culinary school for a year. So it's like, I, I just kind of merged nutrition, communications and food. And just, you know, that sort of spiraled me in a slightly different direction because in dietetics, I was one of the first dietitians to get into media and to be a real big foodie, right? And so it was just like a lot of things, just, you know, how your path constantly changing, but it's all about food for me and it's all about recipes. And then I had kids. And so my interest became feeding kids. Right, right. So then, you know, was motherhood what you thought? you know, rolled up into, you know, your interests and your food and, you know, your career? You know, I grew up in a household with three daughters. I was the pickle in the middle. So I have an older (laughs) sister and a younger sister. And my dad, I mean, we just drove him crazy. So, you know, (laughs) I think he really wanted a boy. But so, you know, when I had kids, I had two boys. 
And I mm. didn't even know how to handle that because I grew okay. up with girls. So that was interesting. Yeah. They're violent. Yeah. They're active. They're, they're, they're crazy. <laughs> and they eat a lot, right? So that was good because I was, I was creating cookbooks back then. And so they were my little taste testers. And so they actually became oh, pretty awesome. good eaters because I was, it was like a big adventure. You know, I was constantly cooking. They were trying. Mm. I didn't expect them to like everything, of course. And so, you know, the picky eating thing, thankfully, wasn't a big problem in our house. But certainly I've heard from yeah. a lot of people over the years and I have you know, plenty of advice for that. But parenting's hard. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves. And I even yeah. said in the, in the book, The Mom's Guide to Meal Makeovers, which you said you used all the time when your kids were young. Yeah. We said that there's no such thing as perfect, right? Like if you're eating a C minus diet, if you feel like this is family is on a C minus diet, get to a B. Don't think you have to get to an right. A overnight, right? And, and your A is different yeah. from my A anyway, because diet is so individualized. Right. So right. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's just the, the kids thing. And it just became like such a passion because I was in it, right? I was in the trenches. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that worked out great for you and your interest in how you, you know, could then have your own little guinea pigs at home <laughs> to, 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 give, to give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down, right? That's and we right. all got to benefit from it. Yay. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So then as far as, you know, your impact on children, you know, inside and outside of your home, I think it's quite far reaching. You know, how do you think about that and get feedback, you know, from listeners like me and, and, and people that you interact with about how, you know, you've impacted children inside and outside of your own home? Yeah. Well, I think it's funny that you're shredding carrots into everything because <laughs> FYI, I still shred carrots into everything. Right. I made I made a beef fried rice the other night with brown rice and ground beef. And I used snow pea pods and bell pepper and shredded carrot and some yeah, soy sauce yeah. and garlic and ginger. It was like so easy. I'm going to put it on the blog soon. So check yeah, that out. Definitely. So yeah, I'm, I'm still into shredding carrots. But, you know, I, I think for, for me, you know, initially I was reaching a lot of parents and I still do. And then of course there's the trickle down because they hear the advice and they get motivated and they feel supported right. and then they start to feed their kids a healthier diet. So, you know, it's really more through the parents, you know, that I'm impacting kids, right. but I do right. work for a program outside of Boston called Kids Cooking Green. And pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. we were in the schools all the time working with preschoolers on up to high schoolers, and it was all hands-on cooking. And so we would work with the kids on, you know, different recipes and I would always infuse you know, nutrition advice, but not heavy nutrition advice for right. a four-year-old. There's just right. so much they absorb, <laughs> but, you know, just getting them to cook and, and try things, you know, uh, and yeah. I always say that cooking is like an art project if, and what kid does not love an art project, right? They all love to cook. Yes. And so the impact I have directly on kids is through kids cooking green. And then of course it all went virtual. Hmm. And um, hopefully we'll be back with kids, you know, in the next couple yeah. of months. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I think I probably got the term, you know, from you as far as less adventurous eaters versus more adventurous eaters. And that just idea of not necessarily, you know, you know, kind of speaking that pickiness over them uh, every time we talk about it, you know, and to others and all that, but really thinking of it as an adventure you know, just like you mentioned. And I think that's a really important kind of language thing that I try to pass on to the families that I work with. And, you know, that idea of art and adventure is, is so much fun for kids. Right. And travel, right? Now we can all travel through our food and learn that's about right. other cultures, which is kind of neat. Right. Yeah. I think if, you know, if we label a child as picky in front of them, 
they will be picky. I mean, that's yes. going to happen, up, right? The self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> I remember Janice and I, when we had meal makeover moms back in the day, as I say, mm. we were in a Whole Foods and we were doing a taste testing of one of the recipes from our first cookbook. And mm. this mom walked by with her little one. And I said, oh, would you like to try our whatever recipe it was? And the mother says, oh no, she won't like that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I could see that like the, this little child was like, child's uh, face. I was about to like <laughs> try it, you know, and it was so sad to me. Yeah. So give them that time to explore and mm-hmm. let them, you know, make those decisions. You know, I, I always say to parents, it's your job to really decide, you know, what's for dinner and what time you're going to eat and where you're going to eat, but it's your child's job to decide how much. So you present all these foods, all these experiences and then you don't know if they're going to have one bite, no bite, or a hundred bites, you know? So mm-hmm. you have to give them the, the choice and the freedom to make those decisions. Because if you start overriding that, then it's going to be a disaster, right? Just give yeah. them, give them, let them experiment, you know, let them experience. Yeah. yeah. And that gives it, that creates an openness that can make mealtimes more fun more playful. And there's more openness, like you said, to at least mm-hmm. even try, you know, we kind of have the, the three bite challenge, right? To at least have three bites of the new foods and see, you know, cause you might discover that it's your new favorite way, right. Mm-hmm. Of eating something, even if you didn't think it was going to be. And so right, I, right. I love that sense of openness and yes, it, it's not about the clean the plate club, like when we were growing up. Right. But it's really a whole different way of approaching yeah. food and openness. But we as parents, like you said, have that opportunity, right? We are the ones who buy the food. We're the ones who bring it in the house. We're the ones who, you know, kind of decide when and how it's going to be prepared. And so we do still have so many opportunities to to grill, to, you know, bake, to present, to make it colorful and, and as fun as possible and include them, you know, right, in the process. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, you know, to, to start talking specifics about food, I know you mentioned cooking a lot. I'm curious, you know, I often will, you know, I start almost every interview with the question to the mom, you know, what are your go-to meals? You know, again, partially because of, you know, the influence that you've had. And so I'm excited to hear, you know, what your go-to meals have been lately. Mm. Well, lately, so lately it's been myself and my husband. Mm -hmm. And so he always says to me, like, we always joke that I can cobble together a meal based on whatever the heck's in the house. <laughs> and right. I'm really good at that. And that's actually a really that's good way to, re- it's an art, yeah. but it's a good way to reduce food waste because yeah. you use up all the bits, right. That you have yeah. left over. Yeah. So um, a couple of our go-tos, well, Tim is a pescatarian, my husband, mm-hmm. I'm a flexitarian, meaning I am, I'm a more plant-based, but I eat everything. So if okay. I have some beef, sure, some chicken, fish, whatever, eggs, I eat it all, but mostly plants. So, all right. So one recipe I've been like completely obsessed with lately mm-hmm. is the recipe. I don't know if you heard about it. Maybe some of your listeners did. It's the recipe that went viral on TikTok, where you take um, cherry tomatoes, and okay. you put them in a baking dish with feta cheese and you add some mm. garlic and then you just do a little olive oil on the top yeah. and some red pepper flakes and you bake it for 45 minutes. And then when you pull it out of the oven, you've been cooking pasta on the stove okay. and now you stir it all together okay. and the feta melts and the tomatoes become almost like saucy, sauce, like a pasta yeah. sauce. Yeah. And you've got this pasta. Now I add to that basil. I add some cooked shrimp. I add whatever's left over. So it's like pasta with feta 
and a little bit of heat from the red pepper flakes, but I don't like food too spicy. So just a little and a little saltiness from the feta and the tomatoes. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Sometimes if I Brussels sprouts, I'll like just chop them up, slice them up and throw those in, let those bake. And it's a mush. (laughs) It's just so darn good. It's so darn good. So I'm obsessed with the the tomato feta mush right now with the pot. (laughs) Love that. And then I also have a, I have a recipe on my blog and I think it was in the mom's guide to meal makeovers. It's like tuna cakes or salmon cakes. And it's just literally Mm. like what's in your pantry. And it's just canned tuna or canned boneless, skinless salmon. And you just make little salmon cakes or tuna cakes out of it. And you add some breadcrumbs and some little frozen corn kernels, just thaw them first and some shredded cheese and some seasoning, maybe some fresh herbs. And you make these little egg and you make these little patties. And that's really good. I love those little cakes. And then the other thing that I make a lot of is grain bowls. And so I will get the boil in the bag, brown rice, because it's so darn convenient. And I'll make some brown rice. And then in that bowl can be anything. It can be some salad greens with some, maybe some sliced up tomatoes or radishes or bell peppers, you know, whatever's in the fridge, any protein. It's like a grain, a vegetable, a protein. Got to have avocado though, right? You got to have avocado in that. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then a little homemade dressing. And I've been doing, you know, pre-pandemic, listen to this. I never made my own salad dressing. What's wrong Mm. with me? Why didn't I do that? I just, (laughs) I wanted the convenience of the store-bought. Sure. But I've been so obsessed with homemade salad dressings. And it's so easy because I make it with olive oil and lemon juice. Sometimes I'll add a little balsamic as well, or a little champagne vinegar, tiny bit of garlic. I don't like a lot of raw garlic, just a little bit. Dijon mustard, salt Mm -hmm. and pepper, and a drizzle of honey or maple syrup. Put it in a mason jar, shake it up. I got it. I love it. (sighs) Yeah. So it's it's throw together meals, throw together meals that work out well for the empty nesters, you know, that we are right now. Sure, sure. And, you know, I think, you know, when you can put something in an oven, you can set it and forget it or an Instapot, you know, Mm. it's so great to have those things. And I actually have a whole big thing of the tomatoes that I need to use. So I'm going to do that today. Yeah. Google, (laughs) Google the TikTok feta, the feta tomato recipe. You know what I don't have yet is an air fryer and I really want to get one. You know, so yeah, you I've got, yeah. I've got a lot. I have a friend actually, who's like an expert at the air fryer. Yeah, she yeah. gave me a recommendation for like a Phillips air fryer and she's been developing all those recipes. So right. I need to check that might that be. Out. Yeah. It seems like that's kind of the new, the new thing or the next thing. Cause I, I it's been around thing. for a little while. Yeah. yeah. That, but I, and a lot of my, my mom friends swear by it. And mm-hmm. as far as veggies go, I hear it's a great way to add that, that kind of French fry crisp to a lot of veggies that kids will go for. Yeah, you know, they yeah. say they say Brussels sprouts in the air fryer are amazing. So yeah. we need to try that. Gotta yeah, try it. yeah, exactly. Good, good. So then, you know, we've all kind of been going through a lot when it comes to not only, you know, being home and cooking a lot with our families, but, you know, with all that's been going on in the world with the pandemic, with the news, you know, we've had so many things come up. You mentioned traveling in the world and, you know, so many things around different cultures and it's just cultural understanding and racial understanding as well. So, you know, with all that's been going on in the world right now, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, your family's ethnic makeup and then how you talked to your children in the past or how you're talking to moms about, you know, raising children, right, with with empathy and with kindness and, you know, even how food can be a vehicle for that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's just, well, I grew up Jewish, I'm Jewish, and I grew up in a Jewish household where, you know, my mom is 88, my dad's 90. And so they were, you know, grew up during World War II. Mm-hmm. 
And so, of course, the stories of what was coming out of Europe, it's horrifying and certainly impacted our family. And so there's a lot of, uh, that's like the foundation, right? So from that, for me personally, comes a lot of empathy for others because you know what it feels like to be in a community that's been oppressed or uh, abused or, you know, whatever. And so, so I, I, I'm able to like frame things, you know, from that perspective and and relate, Mm -hmm. everybody has a different story. Everyone's trauma, you know, is different and it doesn't mean someone's is worse than yours. It's like, everybody has their own experiences, but from that you need to, Mm -hmm. you know, be a better person and be more open-minded and understanding. And so I've been reading this book lately that for me has a, has had a big impact. And I've mentioned it to both my sons who, you know, who are grown up. So there's just, you know, all I can do is say, Hey, this is a great book. I'd suggest right. it, or hmm, I heard right. this. And right. so the book is called cast mm. and it's Isabel Wilkerson. And she talks about the caste system in India mm. and the caste system in Nazi Germany mm. and the caste system in America. So mm. the white supremacy and mm. the African American experience. And she ties them all together. And there's all these similarities. And you realize like, wow, like this is really systematic and systemic, right? And it's just been an incredible book. So I would highly recommend that to to you and your listeners. But, you know, making the world a better place really is just being open-minded and learning from others. And I do think food Mm -hmm. definitely can help bridge a lot of that, you know, just sitting down and trying somebody else's cuisine. It's like, wow, that's really tasty. I I can't believe that, you know, and, and, and then adopting some of those flavors and bringing them into your home kitchen is is really, it's so fun. I mean, I grew up eating very traditional American food and more sort of an Eastern European flair. And my mom like never made spicy food ever, <laughs> ever. So for me, it's like, wow, every time I eat, if it's too spicy, forget it. I don't like right, it. Right. It just like numbs my taste buds. But, uh, mm. you know, it's just been this past year, like I said, not being able to travel, trying different cuisines has been so cool. I would never claim them as my own. I'm right. borrowing them. I'm, adapting, <laughs> I'm bringing them into my household. I'm giving them the, the, Liz, the Liz twist, but it's been really fun. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, and it comes back to, you know, how we opened the show with, you know, that meal shared, you know, as an, as an opportunity to t- discuss. I mean, the questions that can come up, you know, the conversations you can have at your table with, a kid, with kids, right? Especially mm-hmm. about, you know, what life must be like or might be like in this country or that country or for these people or that people can, you know, the food can open up that doorway yeah, for that conversation, right? And that discussion of that shared experience. And it can be very intimate, right? Many cultures, being from Ghana myself, you know, sharing food is, you know, uh, is, a, is a must. You know, if someone comes into your home, you almost, you know, have to share uh, a drink with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you try not to let them leave your house until you've shared food, right? If at all possible. And so it's, it's one of those, ge- you know, intimate, intimate gestures of, you know, openness, welcoming, right? Your hospitality is tied, can be tied to food and, you know, how you serve others. And so it can really open the doors to, to many things, even beyond just the food itself. Like and it's fun. And, and also it's fun to just hear about how other cultures experience family meal time. You know, what's the dynamic? Yeah. Because that's a you know a passion of mine, as I'm sure you know, yes. is like gathering around the table because then you actually have conversations. And mm-hmm. we know that when you eat together, as a family, no matter where you live on this planet, 
your kids will eat a healthier diet because you're going to be role modeling for them. They're going to be excited. You're going to be passing things around and it's, and it's one meal, you know, it doesn't have to be the parent food and the kid food. It's like one celebratory meal. I used to always say back in the day that if mac and cheese is on the menu for dinner, the whole family's eating mac and cheese. I would never just make it for my kids. (laughs) I'd make mac and cheese for everybody, but I'd also have a salad with it and some fruit with it and maybe some protein foods with it. So it's like, you're all in it together. Yes. Yes. And you know, what can we do to to make it an experience that everybody can enjoy or Mm -hmm. can, you know, can, can benefit and gain from? Absolutely. You know, I, I also would love to talk a little bit more about that whole family meal approach and and how we can make family meals work, especially in this era. Because I think a lot of us were, you know, many of us were doing it before. And, you know, especially if we grew up with it, we we tended to lean towards sitting down as a family, not having any screens or, you know, tech kind of, you know, at at hand for those mealtimes. But some families, especially as things have gotten busier over the decades with convenience eating and cooking and schedules being so jam-packed, We've moved away from even just sitting together face to face around, you know, home cooked foods or even foods that are brought together or a restaurant. You know, we couldn't even go to restaurants for a while, right? So, what would you say, or, or what tips could you have about how to make, you know, family meals a pleasant experience, and you know, how to keep that going as we, you know, move forward and, and things start to get busier again? Right. Yeah. That's the the key is how do you keep it going. So we know that with the pandemic, family meals hasn't been on the rise. So it's very trendy again, which is great. (laughs) People have been forced to all be together at home, you know, eating together. So a few tips to make family meal time doable, more doable. The first would be to definitely make it a commitment. So just say like, we are going to eat together every night, or we are going to eat together five nights a week. But so set, Mm -hmm. set yourself a little bit of a goal. And try to stick with it. So that's that's number one. Make it fun and lighthearted. Mm-hmm. It's not the time mm-hmm. to sit down and say, did you do your homework? Or I hear you got in trouble at school today. Save that for after dinner. This is a positive time. Converse, you know, ask open-ended questions and have fun talking about different topics. I mean, if you really have run out of conversation with your teens, for example, the Family Dinner Project is a great resource for people because they actually have conversation starters, you know, on their website. And you can just say, Oh, I have a 12-year-old, and you know, pull down some of those conversation starters. Get everybody to help. I, you know, I always said to my boys, listen, I'm grocery shopping, I'm doing the cooking. I'm certainly not going to set the table or clear it. And I'm certainly not doing the dishes. No way. You know, if you're doing the lion's share of the food prep, then have the kids help with everything else or include your kids, you know, one night a week, you'll have one kid help you include your kids, have them help with meal planning. And, you know, it doesn't have to be used to dictating every night. This is what we're having for dinner. Get buy-in from the family. And I would say, oh, this is the other thing I would say to my kids when they were younger. I would say, if you diss, you're dismissed. Meaning, if you diss the meal, the cooking, the food, you got to leave the table. Because if you diss, like let's say Josh dissed the meal, the older brother, then Simon, the little one, of course, he's not going to eat the meal because the older brother dissed it. And Josh did it one time. I'm like, dude, you're out of here. Like, I just spent so much time on, you know, making this meal. If you don't like it, keep it to yourself. And if you diss it, you got to (laughs) go. You got to leave. We'll let you back later. You can eat by yourself. 
but yeah. and he did it once and that was it. He never did it <laughs> yeah. again yeah. because that's respect. Like you right. spend so much time on that meal. Let's keep right. it pleasant, keep it positive. And here's a tip that I think is going to change everybody's life. And that is, and this was a mistake I made when my boys were young. I used to plate everybody's food. Here's your dinner, you know, and it's all like portioned out and plated. Like what's like that all about? Style. <laughs> yeah, I stopped it because you got to serve food family style, big bowls, big platters. And the reason you want to do that is because number one, you don't know how hungry your child is or how maybe, you know, uh, not hungry they are. So right. you don't want to dictate how much they should be eating. I talked about it earlier, like let them decide. Yeah, so let yeah. them pick and choose what they want that's on the table. If there's something they really don't want that night and that's on their plate, they might freak out. And who needs a freak out at the table? Mm-hmm. So family style, and it gives you this great opportunity to role model. So you're grabbing all the broccoli when your little daughter, mm-hmm. she's going to grab the broccoli mm-hmm. or, or big brother grabs the broccoli, little sister grabs the broccoli. And so when you yeah. go family style, it is like so much more fun and it takes yeah. a lot of pressure off everybody at the table. Yeah. So, and then finally get rid of distractions. You talked about yeah. that, you know, no TV, yeah. no phones, you know, you know, even now I'm an empty nester and Tim and I'll sit down to dinner and he's got that cell phone. He's so addicted to it. <laughs> and he's texting. I'm like, Tim, this is our family meal. And I turn the phone upside down. You got We're still just, a family. Even yeah. if the kids aren't here. Get rid of it. If the boys are with me, there's no way you have a phone at the table. And yeah. they used to have friends over and I'd say, Hey, Andrew, Hey Zach, you know, we don't have phones mm. on it. Our, you know, dinner time in our mm. house. So yeah. please put it away. Don't be afraid to say that. Right, because right. you are the, the, you know, the sous chef of your kitchen. You know, you are the executive chef, rather. You're not the sous <laughs> chef. You are the executive chef. You get to set that tone mm-hmm. and make it as pleasant and, and joyful as possible. And, yeah. you know, what works for you may not work for the next person. Sometimes you have to experiment a little bit. You know, I can mm-hmm. remember years ago, we used to talk a lot on the podcast about taking a no thank you bite so that you would encourage your child to just take one bite and say, thank you, or no, thank you. And this one poor mom emailed us and said that it became like this. She wanted her son to do it. And and it became like (laughs) a two hour ordeal. And he was crying and she wouldn't let him leave the table and he wouldn't take a bite. I was like, oh my gosh, this totally backfired. It's a suggestion. You know, I'm not saying you must do the no, thank you bite. I'm saying try it. If it doesn't work, please move on from it because you don't want to traumatize your poor child, you know, at the table. Yeah. Everybody has to, you know, different strokes, right? For different it folks, is. different yeah. things will work for you. Right, right. And, you know, that speaks to, you know, the brain is, uh, is all about associations. It's basically an association machine, right? And so all of our experiences associate with emotions and connections. And so if the association, yeah, that your child has that is with dinner is like, you know, chaos and fighting and all of the negative emotions that can arise when it becomes a battle, then yeah, food and eating will be trapped with all of those negative associations that we don't want food to have because food is about enjoyment and food is about family and connection and it's about health and nourishment. And so I thank you for you know challenging us in those ways. And I know for us, we've made it fun lately by kind of adding some games to to the meal. So, you know, especially since we had, you know, this time that we were all together and we had more time for, you know, sitting at the table we started like doing kind of storytelling games. And so almost like uh, we would do at camp growing up. Okay, every person does a sentence that create that you, the next person builds on. And then you create a family story because, you know, everybody is taking turn adding sentences to this growing story around the table. 
And so that's been a fun one, especially my older one likes. And then my younger one has been into rhyming and, you know, with, with literacy and reading, learning to read, it's all, all, you know, the rhyming and the pattern of words has been really interesting for her. So we now have rhyme time where she gets to kind of be in charge. And then we like start coming up with little stories and sayings or poems that all rhyme, you know, using all the rhyming words that she might be working on that week or that just come to mind. And it can just be fun with words, basically, you know, around the table as we're eating our food. So we've had some fun lately, just getting creative about, you know, how Mm -hmm. we're using that time and just using whatever the kids are into to expand into creativity and storytelling and, and, you know, literacy of all things. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, and it, but it makes sense because, you know, we know that when families eat together, the more you eat together, it, it builds literacy because the kids are hearing the parents have conversations and it's adult words. Right. Mm. And so it's, it's, I love that. And, oh, you know, the other thing too, that just popped into my head is theme nights and, you know, taco Tuesday. Like if you're looking for recipe ideas or you're burned out or dinner's starting to feel boring, do theme nights and you can do Friday night pizza night. You can do a pasta night. You can have the taco Tuesday. You could have a whatever Wednesday where you just like, "Eh, whatever, we're just going to throw it together with what's (laughs) left over (laughs) and, and don't be afraid to get creative. And then it's making me think of this chef and cookbook author named Jenny Chandler. She was on my Mm -hmm. podcast. I think it was episode 16, a long time ago, because I'm almost at a hundred and she's in the UK in England. Mm -hmm. And she, during the pandemic, because I follow her on Instagram every Friday night, she, her husband and their teenage daughter dress up into some crazy (laughs) costumes and have a a dinner theme night all dressed up. And it is hilarious. And they are having so much fun being together and breaking through that mealtime boredom and just the, you know, like mm, the rut of being at home all the time because England was really bad for a while. And uh, it's just hilarious to follow her and to see all their different concoctions and outfits. (laughs) I love it. You know, this has given us some incredible creativity, you know, outlets, right? Some wonderful challenges to, you know, revamp and retry some maybe old things that we had forgotten about or just just have fun with food Mm -hmm. and meals again. Yeah. Good. Well, you know, I see you as a mom changing the world, using your voice as a dietitian, a cookbook author, a nutrition expert, leader, guru. I think you are officially at that status. <laughs> you know, I'd love for you know for you to tell us a little bit. You know, you've probably seen and worked with some fun people over that time. I'm curious if there are maybe a favorite person or you know somebody that you've loved working with or you got to meet that stands out in your mind. Wow. Well, years and years ago, when I was working at CNN, I was a producer and reporter at CNN from. Oh, I'll give you the date, 1987 to <laughs> oh, 1992. That's incredible. that's incredible. I had a lot of uh, interactions with Julia Child back then, <sighs> and she was amazing. And I would run into her at conferences. I was once on a panel with her. I was at a conference once and was invited to have lunch at her house and with a famous chef, you know, making the lunch. And I was in her beautiful, big rambling home in Cambridge, Massachusetts, wow. and um sitting next to like the CEO of Hershey's, you know, like all these mucky mucks, you know, were there. So Julia Child, that's somebody that I had the pleasure of meeting. And then, you know, when I was at CNN, just like met so many chefs and really cool dietitians covering food and nutrition for the network, you know, five days a week. And then, you know, doing the podcast, you know, I've just had a lot of cool people on over the years and 
cookbook authors, you know, I'm just love, I love getting cookbooks and <laughs> trying recipes from those books. One of my favorites was Patty Hennich. And she wrote a book called Mexican Mexico Today. She has a show on PBS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she is yeah. I think I a beautiful her, woman. I think. She's actually, a, she's Jewish, which is unusual. They grew up Jewish in Mexico. That's wow. where her, you know, her family emigrated yeah, during World War II. Yeah, yeah Patty's and, Kitchen or something. Yeah, Patty's Kitchen. Show, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one. Oh, she's amazing. She was so interesting on the podcast and so authentic. And it was really fun, you know, cooking out of her book and just trying yeah. some of those. I I actually had a a podcast recently on Cuban cooking and I had a dietitian chef on, uh, Lourdes Castro and love those vibrant flavors of citrusy flavors uh, from her cuisine that, and she actually says Cuban people are really picky, but I think their food's great. And so, you know, it's well beyond that Cuban (laughs) sandwich you hear about. So just meeting all these people always inspires me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. And you know, your work, I'm sure was, you know, demanding and, you know, had its pressures. And then you have your family and uh, your cookbooks that you're writing and testing recipes for. How did you, you know, create balance in all that, you know, you were juggling then and and maybe even now? Mm, wow. You know, that the balance thing is hard, right? And because mm-hmm. as moms, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves to kind of do it all. I would say I, I'm getting better at the balance thing. Like right mm-hmm. now in my life, I'm so busy with work, which is kind of good. But mm-hmm. I've every day forced myself to do something to get this body moving, right? So yeah. I will go for a walk, which is hard in New England because it's so cold <laughs> and it's still so cold. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just because it's spring does not mean anything here. <laughs> it can snow. Um, wow. I do yoga. I try to do yoga almost every day, but I don't say I'm going to do like an hour or two hour yoga class. It's a 20 yeah. or 30 minutes of an online class. I just take yeah. little bites, right? And I can yeah. do this. Yeah. And in the summer, I'll try to go bike riding. So it's really, a. it's like, you just got to, you have to force yourself. It's so easy for us yeah. to be staring at the computer and working all day. And so I force myself. And then I always look for, you know, I'm just working, 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 and then cool opportunities just sort of land on my lap. And yeah. you just go with it, you know, just go with yeah. the flow. Yeah, you you have to almost like kind of purpose ahead of time to say yes, right? As, as, as to as much as you can, right? Uh, when those opportunities and those doors open. Uh, and yet, you know, we can't say yes to everything. And so I know we, we had talked you know, before that sometimes, and especially now that, you know, we had so many things close right? We can be a little more selective and a little more intentional, right? About what we do say yes to as Mm -hmm. it comes across our way. Right. Yeah. It's nice to say no. Sometimes it's like, (laughs) that's just not in my wheelhouse. Not going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So as we're winding down, Oh, we, you know, snacks. Uh, I don't know if there were some fun quarantine snacks in your house Mm. or any fun tips that you have about healthy snacking. Well, I would say snacking, I'll frame a snack. Let me frame it for you that a snack is a (laughs) mini meal and it should provide an opportunity to fill in the nutrient gaps in your day. Snack does not equal junk food. Snack means "Hmm, we didn't eat a lot of fruit today or we haven't had a lot of vegetables this week. Let me incorporate some veggies into snack time and just a little something to hold you over till mealtime because otherwise you just fill up and you don't eat the meal. And then that's frustrating for everybody. You know, you put all this effort into dinner, nobody ate. So 
I think one of the funnest things to do for snack time is to set out a snack board, which are super trendy right now. You can yeah. just look on Instagram, right. a, a charcuterie board, a grazing board, a snack board, a cheese board, whatever you want to call it, and fill it with so many fun little tastes and nibbles and you know hummus with veggies for dipping or whole grain crackers and cheese or strawberries or, oh gosh, I could go on and on. Oh, I actually, you know, you could do just little slices of, you know, salami or something, but don't go too, too heavy on that because you really want it to be mostly fruits and veggies on that snack board. Nuts, dried fruit. Oh, I love apricots. By the way, there's no added sugar in apricots. So that's really a good choice for dried fruit. But snack boards are fun and they're colorful and everybody's like grabbing and trying and tasting. And that's a really good way to get kids who are less adventurous to try new foods because a snack board is so cute and fun. And I, and I did that a lot during the pandemic. I would make mini snack boards. So if you did have a neighbor come over or somebody like in your pod, you could at least give them a separate, their own little snack board with cute little bowls. I love little bowls. I'm obsessed with them. And for kids, isn't it fun and cute to put berries in a little bowl instead of like, you know, it's like, oh, who can, who can resist the cute berries in that cute little bowl? Bowl, It's like, it's how you present it. Yes. Presentation counts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And, you know, when I get inspired or when there's holidays and yeah, pre-pandemic, when we had some time to, you know, kind of host things, I would love to make little veggie platters that look like, you know, Santa Claus or like the Easter bunny. I love it. You're Um, very creative. (laughs) One year though, it was, it was so, it was so funny. They were like looking at it. They're like, oh, mommy, it's so cute. I don't want to eat the bunny. (laughs) (laughs) Eat the bunny. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So we, you know, we had to tweak it around a little bit. (laughs) So it's so cute. You know, you could do too is um, I do this when I'm doing a lot of cooking classes for kids is we'll make a dip and I'll create a rainbow of vegetables. So it's the so red Roy G. Biv, right? Like the red bell pepper and then the green might be cucumbers. The clouds are always cauliflower florets, oh, yes. right? That's the clouds. Uh, yes. And there's That's always so a dip cute. in the middle and kids love it. And I'm telling you, whenever I have a rainbow of veggies, they probably mm-hmm. can't do this anymore because back then you could like grab everybody's grabbing. Right, but right. that rainbow, the, the kids yeah. would devour every last vegetable. I would do like radishes. I was always doing at least one surprise vegetable on there. And most parents would be like, there's no way my kid's going to eat it. It might be like some cabbage, some red cabbage that you should shred up. Shred up, yeah. They'll eat everything. It's gone. Yeah, They will eat every vegetable if there's a dip and it's shaped like a rainbow. Maybe not a bunny, <laughs> but they <laughs> will eat every, every last bite. Every bit of it. That's great. I'm, I think the rainbow is going to be my next presentation mm. when I get the chance because yeah, I mean, so we fun. talk about yeah, eating, eating the colors, eating the rainbow yeah, and you know, how colorful can we make our plate be? So that's great. It's all well, good. yeah, as we're, you know, winding down, is there, you know, are there some last words that you have for us as far as, you know, any final tips or, um, in, you know, message maybe that you would have to yourself as a younger mom or, you know, what you've learned about yourself as a mom? I would say don't get so wrapped up in nutrition that it becomes a chore. Think of it mm. as, you know, like what we said, an adventure. And, and I guess because I'm not a mathematician and I don't want to eat like a mathematician or a scientist, I want to eat like just a happy person. I just say, focus on color. And if you can just get as many colors as possible into your family's diet, then you're, you're like 10 steps ahead. You're on your way because the more color probably means the more fruits and veggies. Don't poo-poo brown and white foods because you still have whole grains and we still have mushrooms and we have bananas and 
potatoes and cauliflower, and those are white, right? Yeah. Um, so all, you know, the fiber that you're getting in these fruits and veggies, the color, the textures, the, the aromas, the so much sensory stuff going on. Some are sweet, some are a little bitter. Like I always hated radishes and now I love them because I roast yeah. them. I just yeah. cut them in half, toss with a little olive, olive oil, salt and pepper, roast them. So mm. good, like candy. And so just think color and yeah. don't get so bogged down in whatever the diet du jour, you know, just think color and, and, I think your diet will get a lot better as a result. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. And and I like that idea of kind of flexa, flexitarian, right? I've been trying to eat more kind of anti-inflammatory, so more mm-hmm. plant-based, more, you know, less of the gluten, less of the dairy. And so, but I, you know, but I do enjoy, you know, the different protein, you know, varieties as mm-hmm. well. And so I, I like that we can be really flexible when it comes to our eating and our palate and our family and and figure out the ways that we like to enjoy different tastes, textures, and flavors. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's great. I can talk nutrition with you all year. <laughs> Let's keep doing <laughs> but, it. Yes, Let's keep yes. doing it. Yeah. So great. And, you know, as we're you know, kind of sealing the, the interview here uh, around renewal has been a theme that I'm talking about with each of our guests since we are in a season, you know, of renewal. I'm curious, you know, what that means for you and, you know, how you would kind of end with that. When I think of renewal, I think of plants growing. And like right now in New England, it's springtime. And it's one of my favorite times because even though it could be snowing, everything's starting to bloom and pop up from the earth. And farmers markets will be starting soon. And so we can, it's just, it's invigorating. It's exciting. It's something to look forward to. And things are growing and plants are growing. And and as a dietitian, I want people to eat more plants. Mm. Yeah. And so if we can keep that theme of renewal going year round, be out in nature, be eating plants, just look around, smell the roses. I think that's hopefully a lesson we can all take from the pandemic. And I will say that when it first started the pandemic, my husband and I, we were living in mostly in Lexington, Massachusetts. That's the suburb. We now have a little condo in Boston, but we were walking around the neighborhood. Everybody's like almost in shock over this whole pandemic. We're all at home. Yeah. And what we noticed was so many parents and kids out walking and playing. And we said, oh my gosh, we haven't seen this in years since the internet and all the, you know, games and everything, computer games exploded. And we were so happy to see that parents and kids on the street, walking, running, biking, playing. It was a beautiful thing. So hopefully we can keep that going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Liz and I are going to continue this conversation for her podcast. And so I invite you all to jump over to Liz's Healthy Table to hear us to talk about, you know, some of the stopping and smelling the roses when it comes to, you know, the mental health aspects of, you know, all that we've been experiencing and and strategies that we can do to, you know, help our children and uh, help ourselves in this season. And so Liz, thank you again for being with us. Tell everybody how they can find you. I am on Liz's Healthy Table with an S, lizshealthytable.com. And when you're there, you will be able to link to me on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Liz Weiss. And same on Twitter and then Facebook, it's Liz's Healthy Table. So yeah, so head on over and uh, you know check out my website. I have a lot of recipes. I have freebies. I have the podcast. I have the blog. So yeah, please head on over and check it out. Yeah, I'm going to go and you know, look to see what I can find up for dinner <laughs> as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. 
Thanks for listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the moms we interview. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.